Welcome to episode 38. This week's guest is Christina Schnack-Kotlis. She is the author of the book, I Quit, Facing Cancer with Faith, Family, and Friends, and Sarcasm. There's a lot of that, too. I think you can tell by the title alone of her book, you are going to love Christina. Um, I actually was familiar with Christina, but I knew her by the handle Prince William Moms. If you're from the Northern Virginia area, um, actually PWC Moms, uh, she runs the Facebook page, which is all um, events in the area for people with families. So if you do have children and you're in the Northern Virginia area, be sure to follow her on Facebook, um, PWC Moms. But I got to know her, as I said, through her book, but that is just the tip of the iceberg. And so on our chat today, uh, Christina was diagnosed twice with brain cancer. And so um, her book kind of goes into that journey. But we really got to talk about, um, you know, beyond that journey, where she is now. And for me, what really stood out was finding joy no matter what the circumstances are. And that's so important. We recorded this before um, the coronavirus really uh, affected our area and affect, you know, completely changed how we live our life. And I'm so grateful for the conversation and even more grateful that she got to join me in studio. And I just think it's such a wonderful perspective that everyone can take away, whether you're facing something like cancer or just anything in our life, because at the end of the day, we do not have control. And so join Christina and I as we chat. And as I told her in the episode, I definitely want to have her back. Um, so I hope you enjoy and let's get ready to flesh it out. Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. Welcome back to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. I am here with my guest, Christina Schnack-Kotlis. Thanks for having me. Did I say it right? You did. Yay. Good job. See, I always need that affirmation. Here for you. Now, you might recognize Christina's handle name, mm -hmm. Prince William County Moms. Yes, the notorious. The notorious. Yeah. If you are a mom in Prince William County over the last, what did you say, 12? I feel like it's been, yeah, 10, like something. a long time. A long time. Then you know her because I followed you. And uh, I was excited when you reached out to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I um, I followed your some of your journey. And mm -hmm. so part of that is you wrote a book called I Quit, Facing Cancer with Faith, Family, and Friends. And my favorite line, and sarcasm. There's a lot of that, too. Yep, just keeping it real. <laughs> I love that. So I, um, I'm excited to talk with you today. I'm excited to talk, too. We've already I've got my coffee. Lot, we have. We, we full disclosure, we were chitty chatting, but we decided let's jump in and make this the real deal. So, why don't you tell me about you? That's always the hardest question. So, I am a Prince William County lifer. We don't have a lot of those. We have a lot of military families. Oh, we got my husband over ah. there. Yep, I'm the military one, and he's the lifer. Yeah. So, I grew up in Prince William County. Went away for college for a little bit. Was so excited to go to New England, where I thought it was going to like snow and it was going to be beautiful, and realized that I like Virginia snow, <laughs> where it like comes down and it's pretty, and then it goes away. Goes away. You don't live with it for yeah. months. Yeah. Um, and so I came back down here, graduated from George Mason University. I have a degree in comparative religious studies, and I was a children's minister for a little while before we started homeschooling our kids, and I've been doing that for the last 
many years um, in addition to running my blog. And I also worked for a long time for our state delegate until he lost re-election a couple years ago doing his community outreach. So I just... I like to say I'm kind of a community cheerleader. <laughs> so Yeah, that's accurate. I would say that's a great description. Yeah, so I just really like um, being here and helping people to feel connected to the people around them, especially because we do have such a, a military-heavy area where people mm-hmm. are coming in and coming out, and I like to help them feel connected with the people around them. So my kids now are 12, about to turn 14 and 16. So I am right in the thick of, like, teaching a kid how to drive. which they don't put in the baby books. Like the Mm -mm. colic is bad, but I went to the dentist in October and the dentist was like, I feel like you're getting some TMJ. Like you're clenching your jaw a lot. And I was like, no, my kid got his learner's permit. And he was like, oh, that tracks. Like we're good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You always have to know the whole story before you kind of go in for that diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I just am teaching someone to drive. So that's, I mean, the short version. Um, It's funny because in my mind, your kids are still very young. Yes. Because of how I knew, quote, knew you. Yeah. Through Prince William County moms, that it's like, wait, you have teenagers now? I know. What? I know. <laughs> how is that crazy. possible? It's very crazy. And um, I was young when I got married and had my kids. I was 19. So I had my son, my oldest son, when I was a sophomore in college. And I had my middle son when I was a senior in college. And so I will be 42 when my kids leave. And I will have to, you know, figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. And you have so much, you know, mom time under your belt. But now you've got this next phase that you guys are quickly approaching. We are. Yeah. My oldest actually will, uh, since we homeschool, we have a little bit more flexibility in how things work. And so he'll actually start at Nova next year. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll already have one out. Kind of. I mean, he'll still be at home and everything, but. You don't have to homeschool him, though. You don't have to be responsible. I know. I can just, like, eat bonbons and watch The Office. It'll be so easy. So easy. All your problems just gone. (laughs) So now you wrote this book. Do you want to give people a little bit of background about your book? Sure. So I have been diagnosed twice with brain cancer. Once um, in 2013, it was in the back part of my head. It's called the posterior fossa, if you want to use like Mm. the fancy doctor speak. Um, And I had 16 hours of brain surgery and we followed that up with six weeks of radiation. And I was supposed to have like kind of bought myself... um, the, the guess was seven to ten years mm-hmm. before it came back. Okay. And so um, that's like a small weapons charge. So mm-hmm. I was doing seven to ten for a pendemoma. Um, <laughs> doing your time. Doing my time. Um, so we always knew it was going to come back. Okay. It, it was a when, not an if. And unfortunately, we didn't get quite that much. And it was probably actually a little bit sooner that it came back. But my insurance company had decided I did not need spine MRIs. And um, I ended up having to be a little bit nefarious about how I got my spine MRI because my legs were starting to go numb. And so I knew something was wrong. Um, But I did eventually get it. And I was re-diagnosed in 2017 um, with leptomeningeal metastases, which just means there's some junk that dropped down into your spinal cord. And we did six weeks of radiation again and um, chemotherapy with that. And then I did a full year of daily um, chemotherapy 
to try and clear everything up. And so the book is kind of a combination of like, here's what we dealt with and here's how we got through it. And so it's more that like there is the cancer memoir aspect of it because mm-hmm. I think those stories can really help other people that for are sure. going through it. But yeah. it's really more of a like if you're going through a divorce, mm-hmm. I wrote this for you because I want you to be able to have hope and joy. And if you have any mm-hmm. kind of cancer, I wrote this for you because I want you to be able to have hope and joy. Um, and so whatever your situation is, the message is really about choosing joy in your situation, no matter what your circumstances are. I love that. Yeah. Because we talked earlier, you know, it's like about kind of being sick of talking about cancer, right? Yeah. And (laughs) it's like, and I think that when you're going through a hard time, it's like, I just don't want to talk about the thing Mm -hmm. anymore. So I love that it's it's so universal because finding joy in the midst of pain, I feel like has been at least for me Mm -hmm. lately, like a message I'm receiving, like, that's how, I can't think how to say it, but like the that's lesson. A, that's a lesson that is yeah. being provided Drilled. to you. Yes. yes. So the fact that you even just said that, I was like, yes. And I saw a great quote the other day, which was that your story will be someone's survival guide one day. Yes. And so I love that you I described that it like doing. it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, and it's something that you can get from anyone because, um, have you heard of the term? I don't know if this necessarily fits, but it's like the inspirational porn where it's like a <laughs> someone's story and you're like you get all lifted up because it's like, oh, well, my life isn't like theirs. So I need to be better or feel it makes me feel oh my better. Gosh, this is why I watch Dr. Phil. Yeah. Like I no, I have not heard that term. Oh, yeah. But I literally if I'm having a really bad like mom day, yeah. I will turn on Dr. Phil and be like, my kids are not addicted to meth. Like yes. I'm doing so much better I'm than I thought I was. I'm doing so much better. Yes. Um. Which is bad. Like, yeah, I should not do that. But well, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's necessarily bad. The, the inspirational point it kind of deals more with like people with disabilities, and oh, it kind okay. of it puts them like it makes they become a lot of, an object. Yes, and, and I'm very against that. Exactly, and yeah. and I feel like with certain like it's easy to be like, oh, she went through this, so therefore my problems aren't as bad. Yeah, and one thing I tell people all the time is that I am not trying to win the suffering Olympics. Exactly. I do not want the gold medal in the suffering Olympics. And that was something I actually said to friends a lot when I was going through treatment because they'd be like, oh, you know, all the kids have strep throat this week, and but I can't talk to you about that. No, we can talk about that. Like yes. I've had strep throat before. It sucks. Like yeah. it's okay for us to still have life yes. together. It, I'm not trying to win the suffering yes. Olympics. You don't have to qualify your suffering against my suffering. Yes. Thank you for saying that because I couldn't think I, – I may not have used the right example, but I, that's what I was trying to get to was like I love how you, you're – it's – we all need to figure out how to find joy in the pain. Yeah. And so by you walking through that, I think that – that's just a message that we all need to hear. And Susan McCorkendale, she was um, on a few weeks ago on the podcast. And I can't remember if we talked about it on the pod. I think we did about building. She talks about she's very big on building resiliency mm-hmm. before you need it. And that's one of the things I talk about is building joy as a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. And Can you so, talk? Yeah, dig yeah. into that more. So spiritual disciplines are things that you practice, right? So fasting and prayer and reading scripture, and there's a, a bunch of them. Um, but I talk about joy as a spiritual discipline because it's just like anything else that you have to discipline yourself to do, like sit-ups, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just go do 400 sit-ups. You have to discipline yourself to do some every night and mm-hmm. kind of build up your tolerance for sit-ups like not me because i obviously am not a sit-up person but 
Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe I will be. I don't know. I don't know. Probably I'm just trying to work on the, the inside first, you yeah. know. Um, so same, anyway. Same girl. Same. With, with joy, you can't ignore the joy in your life and then come into the darkest period you're going to enter and be like, I need the joy to be here now. Mm-hmm. You have to practice that. And so one of the things that we did with our kids was we actually had a blessing journal. And we wrote in that sucker every day. Before? Um, we we actually start started that? with my second diagnosis, okay. the practice of doing that. Okay. Um, because with my first diagnosis, I actually had like this supernatural piece about the whole thing. And I just felt very confident that God was going to... God was going to carry it, mm-hmm. and it was going to be okay. And that didn't necessarily mean I was going to survive everything. Yeah. I just felt like no if I what. died, if I had deficits, if I whatever, like God was going to handle it, and yeah. it was going to be okay. And, like, there was a reason this was happening. There was a purpose. There was a story. And I just had this great peace. And with my second diagnosis, I was not okay. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing. Like, side note, you are not a bad Christian or a bad person or Mm -hmm. trying hard enough if you need to take a little bit of like chemical assistance to feel better. Preach. And so I actually was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder with Mm -hmm. my second diagnosis, which is not uncommon for cancer patients. Um, And it's okay. Like you don't need to be able to pray yourself better, believe yourself better. Like there is medicine. And I'm glad you said that too, like with the faith piece is that if you are struggling, it doesn't mean your faith isn't Girl, go get some Zoloft. And, yes. They should put it in the water. Like, <laughs> Yes, we'd all benefit. I think, I think Congress would get better. Like, mm-hmm. I just— There's a lot Zoloft there. Zoloft for everyone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. You, That's a campaign slogan. <laughs> holding it up. They're not paying me, but they should. Um, <laughs> they're not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor. Um, so— I had all this joy before, and I was very easily able to see all the blessings in my life. And mm. then it got hard, and I was like, "No, like I'm not going to give up on this. We're gonna, f- we're gonna fight, fight for it. that." Yeah. And so every day we would write, and what we were really doing was establishing like a pattern of evidence where we could look back at the good days. I love that the pattern of evidence. Yeah. Oh, so that's we have so a good. book, and what we were doing was creating like for our kids. Like if there's a bad day, if something happens to me, if something happens to you know my husband, like not that he was sick, but you know. Any, but hit by a, a bus, whatever. That's the thing, any of us. We have this book happen. that shows, like, everything God has done for us. Mm. And that was so important. And um, we did it on the bad days, and we did it on the good days. And your mm. kids are so much better at this than you, especially if they're little. Yeah. Um, so, like, my daughter would be like, I saw a cloud that looks like a unicorn today. And, like, great, we're going to write that down <laughs> in the book. With the bad days, like, when we had bad days where everyone, you know, because – Sometimes you're grumpy, sometimes whatever, and we would just use kind of the question to start off with, if you only had tomorrow what you saw as a blessing from God today, what would you want to have tomorrow? So if if only the things you thank God for today were the things you had tomorrow, like what what would you want to have tomorrow? And so, you know, there's a lot of days where it would be like... I guess my family. Like, <laughs> I guess. I guess. But, like, only some of you because my brother's really getting on my nerves. Yeah. Like, you know. But um, but it was a practice. And I got so obnoxious on Facebook. I became that person that posts the same thing every day. But I was like, these are my blessings today. What are your blessings? Like, and on days when it was really hard for me because 
there's only so many months you can be on chemo before you're just tired. Mm -hmm. I mean, just tired. And on those days, I'd be like, okay, I want everyone else to like play this game with me. Tell me what blessed you today. Like I'm gonna, you need to... I'm gonna take some of your joy and, yes. and use it for myself. And and I just made it a practice, and practicing that joy, disciplining myself to see joy, yes. has helped tremendously. And it's something that my kids do and look for now. And it's something yes. that we've just programmed into ourselves. And so I really believe in that for people and for for fighting fear with faith and for fighting anxiety with joy and also with medication where necessary. <laughs> I love everything about that because it reminds me um, with working back in my day a lot about positive mindset. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people, we were, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording, but about different personality types and that mm -hmm. sometimes people use it as a crutch of like, well, that's just not me. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a half glass empty kind of person. But the crazy thing is, is that we can actually rewire our brains. We can. And so, but it's the how. And I love that you just described the how, like with the blessing journal. And no matter if you're faith-based or not, it's like yeah. finding the joy and the gratitude. It's like there's something there. And I think it's that rewiring, literally rewiring of your brain. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. So Jeremy just pointed out the joy versus happiness. Because yeah. a lot of times, I think just in if one, you people just equate joy to being happy, no. and it's two different, two different things. Well, and for me, happiness is a reaction. Mm. So, like, if someone hands me a cupcake, I'm going to be happy, happy, like for mm -hmm. a second. Joy is a choice. Yes, and I can choose joy even if everything around me is falling apart, and sometimes that takes. A little bit of me being like a two-year-old and being like, no, I'm going to be happy, dang it, and mm -hmm. you can't stop me. And and I love how you said you have to fight for it because you do. we talked before about not liking to use words with cancers, mm -hmm. like battle, no. fighting. No. And it's like when you move those words to things like fighting for joy, mm -hmm. like that's the thing I'm going to fight for. Yeah, because – I, I really do dislike that terminology because mm -hmm. I think, I mean, if you are in the middle of a cancer diagnosis right now and the term warrior makes you feel empowered, like, good go, for you. Yeah, go for it. Like, via con Dios. But for me, making it be the responsibility of the person with cancer to fight harder yes. or, like, to want it more, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. There is no one that has ever died from cancer because they just didn't want to live for their kids. Yep. And so I just reject that whole mentality. And if um, you have people doing that in your life right now, I just want to, like, give you permission to tell them to shut up. Mm -hmm. So if you've been waiting for that, like, if you're <laughs> listening right now and be like, I needed someone to say that to me, you can tell them to stop talking. Like, yeah. and if you need them to call me and I will tell them, like, that's not a problem. Or they can get your book and yes. then they can read it. So There's actually a whole chapter in my book called My Friend Has Cancer and I Don't Want to Suck, A General Guide. And I probably wrote it for you, Karen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's great. Um, I love that because, like you said, if it works for you, if it empowers you, go for it. But I love the perspective because either if you're going through it, you give them permission that if it's not – jiving with them. If it's not serving it. you, belay it. Yeah. Yes. And then also just to be mindful too, because we think about what kind of, what are we putting on people? I mean, you don't want to, you don't, you then don't want to take this on and like drive yourself crazy with anxiety about saying the wrong thing to someone. But yeah. I think it's just good. This is why communicating is so good. Well, I think it's good too, to listen to 
what the person in the situation is saying. So if good. you're trying to support someone, whether it's, you know, divorce or a child's diagnosis at school or, you know, cancer or whatever, listen to what the person is saying yes. and be the friend that supports their mentality. I think that's really important. I love that. And it makes me think of this book that um, I think Jeremy had read, or it's called Don't Sing Songs to a Broken Heart. Heavy. Don't Sing Songs to a Heavy Heart. I didn't read it, but I saw the cover, so therefore I'm pretty much an expert <laughs> in it. Um, but if I remember correctly what we talked about with it, it's like, you know, when someone's going through a hard time, when you walk in there like, oh, you know, being all positive when they're really broken, you need to meet them where they're at. You do. And I love what you said about kind of watching them. And it goes back to the whole mirroring thing. Mm -hmm. I and mean, that's like it could be a sales technique, but it's a genuine thing. It can also be a very genuine blessed thing you can do for yes. someone as you see what they're they're getting, you meet them where you're at, and then you can be that little guiding light, but but that's appropriate for where they're at. But you don't come in at a 10 when they're at a zero. Exactly. And so, like, same thing with um, the Blessing Journal. We actually received that as a gift from a friend that was mm -hmm. like, here, I think this would really help you. And she didn't come in and be like, this is fantastic. And, yes. like, let's see what God does. Yes. I'm so excited. She came in and was like, I see where you are. Have wow. a book. Wow. And that was so perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it's really important um, to, to do that, to come into the situation. And sometimes one of my best pieces of advice is if you don't know what to say, mm -hmm. don't. Mm. Like just be with people. Like genuinely mm -hmm. be with them. And there have been a lot of times where I've had the opportunity to sit with someone kind of in that moment and just like let's get the Kleenex out. Mm -hmm. Let's just do this. That's and, like cursing for me. Like I was saying, yeah. I'm like, for, you know, if someone's, if I'm sitting with someone in the ashes, if they're angry, like I will throw out some good cursing because I just feel like yeah. I, I don't have anything. I can't say, I don't have the words. Mm -hmm. So, so let's just be I, angry. Yeah. I have a whole collection of cards that I send out all the time that like the front of one of them that is one of my favorites just says, this sucks. Mm -hmm. And it's blank on the inside. Yep. And sometimes that is all there is to say. That's a common one I use, too. And sometimes people are not ready for hope, and your hope seems di like disingenuous. Disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, totally. And so you can't come in necessarily while a person, because there's mourning. Even if you are a person of faith, even if you have hope, like even if you know better, mm. there's still a period of mourning that happens for the life you're not going to get to have. Mm -hmm. And mm, that's so, so even with my first diagnosis where we literally – I got the phone call, and my husband and I sat on the floor and cried. And I was like, we're going to do this for 24 hours, and then we're just going to believe that God has this. Mm. And there was still that period of being upset that, like, the next however long was not going to look the way we wanted it to look. Yeah. And I was not going to get to be the mother I wanted to be. And, like, I was going to have to give my mother a giant – basket of homeschool curriculum and be like, good luck, figure it out. Like, mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> maybe read them a book. I don't know. Like, <laughs> eh, they'll be okay. They'll be fine. That's what the internet's for. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, go Khan Academy. I don't know. Like, figure it out. Um, but there is that period of mourning, and that is an important part of the process. And so even if you have faith, even if you have you know, if, if you're not a person of faith, but you just, I don't know, or like believing the universe has good things for you, like whatever it is you're doing, yeah. there's still mourning that has to happen. And yes. you can't come into someone's mourning and be dancing through it because that just hurts. It's like dancing on the. Yeah. The, them. 
I've been, um, I think I just read this in a book I was reading, but it's been kind of on my mind. I'd love to get your perspective on it. It's the whole, it doesn't have to be either or, it can be both and. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about that because for my own kind of stuff, we could call it, that I deal, you know, dealing with is I feel like looking back on my life, you know, developed this positive attitude, growing up, moving around all the time, you know, always had to look forward and kind of having this belief and whether it's just it's ingrained in me, whether it's faith, who knows, but this idea that everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm finding, just putting my stuff out there, is that I think sometimes I skip over some of the morning because it's like, well, I know it's going to be fine, you know, so I'm just going to look forward. And I was talking to someone recently, and and it's funny that it was in the book because someone in in real life, in my personal life, had said it doesn't have to be either or. It can Mm -hmm. be both and. And so I've been kind of marinating on that whole how do you – what does it look like to kind of have pain? Mm -hmm. And joy. You know, that's what I've been walking out. And that's why I love that your book and you're talking about that. That's a really good perspective to have. And one of the things that I tell people all the time, kind of going back to fighting the things that you should fight. I did not fight the cancer. I mean, I showed up to every appointment. I did all the things that doctors told me Mm -hmm. to do. But I was not like the warrior versus my tumor. But I did fight fear. Mm. And I think that I, I had all this hope. I had all this joy. And like in a very nonsensical way, I mean, I had already done this once and seen the tremendous blessings that came out of it. Like I should have had sufficient faith to kind of get through the second one. But instead I was, if if you're a Bible reader, there's a story of Hezekiah who like curls up on his bed because he finds out he's going to die. And he's like, God, I just want 15 more years. Like, can you do something for me? And I remember doing that, like just curling up in a ball and being like, I really just don't want to die right now. Yeah. And not having the belief that I had any more in my like spiritual bank account. Like I had gotten all the grace I was going to get. I had gotten all of the hope I had like been Mm. doled out. Mm -hmm. And that's just not a thing. Mm. Like if you're a person of faith, our God is infinite. And so there was infinitely more mercy and grace Mm -hmm. available to me. Um, But there was still that in my head and I had to, I had to fight that. And one of the things that I tell people to do is I would literally go in my bathroom, close the door, and set a timer on my iPhone. And I would have all the bad thoughts. Like, just bring them on. Like, we're going to have a fight right now. You know, have you ever done that with your husband? Like, you go upstairs in your room and you shut the door and you're like, let's just do this. So I would <laughs> – he's not making what? a face that is indicating that that's the thing that happens in your house. We Occasionally do. in my house that happens. No, no. This is why the kids think we fight all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, You're always going upstairs and shutting the door. But we'll sometimes, like, if we're kind of like. That's not for fighting. <laughs> if we're sometimes kind of sandpapering each other all day, I'll be like, oh, let's yeah. just go upstairs and, like, do this. Whatever's, yeah. like, behind this, let's just get it No, over I with. mean, that's totally. I'm like, I can't do, we, I can't do this whole, like, underlying yeah. tension. <laughs> like, let's just. And it's exhausting. Kids go to bed. Especially with fear. Like sometimes you're trying to fight the fear off so much all day that it's just exhausting. And so I would just go upstairs and be like, let's just do this thing. Mm -hmm. I would set a timer because I'm not going to wallow in it forever. Love that. And I would just have all the bad thoughts. Like, you know, my kids are going to grow up like a Disney movie without a mom. My husband's going to marry someone prettier than me and the kids are going to like her better. Like all the things. All the things. All the things. And I would cry with snot bubbles. Like I just really go deep into it. Yes. And then when my timer went off. I would splash some water on my face and I would be like, okay, I heard you. I'm choosing not to believe you, but I have heard you. The lies. The lies. Mm -hmm. I've heard you. 
Yes. And, like, even some of them, like, you're going to die. That is a possibility. Like, and we're all going to die And one we day. all are. I mean, that's what's so crazy is that we all could die tomorrow, today. Like, we don't like to think of that. And when right. you have a diagnosis, it's such, I mean, and I can't speak, I need you to speak on that. But, like, but I don't know. It's just we get so wrapped up in our heads. But sometimes it's okay to just sit down and be like, okay, these are bad feelings that I'm having. And, yeah. like, I'm just going to. We need to acknowledge them. I'm going to acknowledge them. And then I'm going to tell them I've heard you and I'm choosing to go in this direction instead. Yes. And so that was what it, like, the the both and looked like for me. Like, sometimes I needed Thank to sit you. down and have that hard conversation with my head and mm-hmm. be like, these are all things that could happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm choosing to look over here. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about, um, we've been talking about cognitive distortions, uh-huh. where it's basically like the lies in your head. Yeah. And I have been someone who, with my close people in my life, I tend to overshare. Okay. But I've realized it's because I like to get the cognitive distortions out, out. so that you can, you meaning, you know, people who speak into my life, like, can help me you know, weed them out. Um, but I think that there's that next level, though, of needing to do it on your own, like journaling or something like that. But sometimes. Like what she said, it's really important to make the choice to, to go the going. other way. Oh, that's yeah. what I mean. That's why I like putting it down and like kind of saying, okay, I see you. That's why I like how you said that. Like, I see you. I see these thoughts. And like, I need no, to choose. You. I'm not choosing this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you basically have in your head, like an entire storefront of options. And you get to pick the one you're going to buy and go with. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to choose fear. Like, love that. And and you shouldn't either. And if you and I and I am not a doctor, I cannot give any diagnoses. But just from what I know from learning, talking to people, is that if all of this kind of these these techniques and whatnot, if you cannot move forward, that's I think I would totally recommend seeing a therapist, a doctor. Something for extracurricular help. Go see a therapist anyway, you guys. Actually, yes. Amen. (laughs) Whatever. Betterhelp.com. They're not a sponsor yet, but uh, really, if you can't, go find one locally. Yeah. Betterhelp.com. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your small group leader. Like, talk to a friend. Talk to somebody. But it's important to make sure that the person you're talking to is a safe person. Mm -hmm. And in every situation, there are people that are not safe. And I found out very quickly. I remember sitting at Georgetown. Um which is where I had my surgery, my brain surgery initially. And when I came in to meet with the neurosurgeon, they looked at my MRI and were like, oh, you are not going anywhere. Like, you have so much hydrocephalus. Your brain is like a balloon, and you are just going to stay here. And we finally let people know what was going on. And I had a friend that called me, and she was hysterical. Mm. And she's like, what am I going to tell my sons? Oh, my gosh. I I don't know. I mean, I had to tell my kids, I feel like you're going to be able to figure it out. Like, she didn't want to have to tell her kids that her friend's mom was sick because that would mean that she could get sick and she didn't want to scare her children. And she's telling you this? She's telling me. And so there are people that will want to make your situation about them. Mm. And those are not safe people. I was going to ask you, like, what? how do you know when someone's not safe? And so that was a great – so There's there's one example. And there are also people that, like – Especially if it's medical, but, like, Mm -hmm. in any kind of a situation. Like, I know friends that have gone through divorce and been, like, people thought I had, like, divorce cooties. And, like, Mm -hmm. they wanted nothing to do with me. Those aren't safe people. You don't need them. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't need them anyway. Yeah. With my brain cancer stuff, there were a lot of people that just could 
not it's like the movie they couldn't handle the truth like yeah. <laughs> um but i did have i mean i was very blessed to have a really good friend who like, I don't know how she does it. Her first husband and her husband's first wife both died of brain cancer. And they are just advocates. And she's spent decades now being there for people wow. in that same pain, which is incredible. But she was the one. I could be like, here is my actual radiology report from my last MRI. Read this with me. And it didn't scare her. And so that's a safe person. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because... The, the person that you're closest to in your life before whatever situation happens might not be the person that is your safe person yeah. when you're going through it. And that's yeah. okay. And, and I feel like, too, I want to add about just because someone's not your safe person doesn't mean they're a bad person. No. Because it's like we're all on our own journeys. And so a lot of times our stuff brings up stuff in other people. Yeah. And so if they're not at a place to deal with it, and that's why it's like it's not about you. Almost yeah. like it's the whole for us to remember. Because, I mean, I feel like we – I mean, I would imagine, but I've, you know, we've all gone through stuff and it's like, you do feel sad when the person you think is going to be your safe person isn't. Yeah. I think it's like that mourning. There's that period of mourning. But I think remembering that it's not about you because it's their own stuff Mm -hmm. and just, and then praying that God or how, you know, the universe, whichever your beliefs are, will provide like. It should be God though. But (laughs) I mean. You're just going to say, yeah. Trying to like whatever. It's not my show, so I'm going to leave. You can dislike <laughs> me if you want. Um, you can say it's it. It's hard because for me, like, I could see all of the good things that happened in my life as coincidence or, like, mm-hmm. the universe being kind to me or whatever. But when you're looking at it through the lens of your own mortality, like, I got this terrible diagnosis twice. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about how I'm going to believe that, like, good things randomly happen to me. Like, that's not a thing. It just doesn't – it doesn't – yeah. Work for my logic. So, but like you do you, but like if you would like me to tell you what you should do, I would be happy to do that also. <laughs> because you are an Enneagram 8 and I am. you want to make people's lives better. I do. And so you just want to get in there and fix it. Let's just fix it. Where, see, I was a, I was being my two self where I'm like, all right, everyone do you. Mm-hmm. We can talk about my stuff if you want <laughs> later, but, but I just want everyone to feel, come on in. I mean, my cancer could come back tomorrow. I don't have it time. Can, exactly. I don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for that. So, amen. <laughs> amen. Um, but yeah, but I, that's I think part of like aging, where you kind of get older and you realize like ain't got time for this. Yeah. And so for you, it's like a crash course in like yeah. Why? I mean, what am I waiting since for? Since I was twenty eight, I've, I've been like I don't I don't have time. Oh, There's no time. And the other thing too is um, there's an interesting thing that happens where. I was just the other day talking about this, and I've talked about it on Prince William County Moms and gotten in trouble for it, but it Uh-oh. is still my opinion, and I'm still going to have it. I think it's really important to not use people as objects. Mm-hmm. And so oh, we were talking about that. Yeah, we were talking about that. I the last time I talked about it, there was someone that had wanted to know where they could take their child to donate their birthday presents to homeless children and watch the children receive them. And I was like, that's not a thing. Here's mm-hmm. why that's not a thing. Because that is you making that child into an object mm-hmm. so that your child can feel good. You want to take that child's suffering and allow their suffering to make your child feel better. Yes. That's not how we treat people. People are an end unto themselves. Yes. And I feel very strongly about that for many reasons. I've always felt very strongly about that. And I think part of it is like – Christian philosophy is kind of like if you're doing something you don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Like uh-huh. you want to do it kind of in the background. Yeah. Um, but also because 
when I was sick, we had all these people that wanted to help us, which was great. Yeah. But I know from my children talking about it after the fact that some people made them feel like objects. And we're still very appreciative of all the help we got and everything. Mm -hmm. But when you're telling your kids like, oh, we're taking the Cotlis's dinner because their mommy can't take care of them. And like, you should be so thankful that I'm healthy because their mommy is not healthy. Then you're turning my children into an object lesson Mm -hmm. and they're people. And so I feel very strongly about that. Um, Can you suggest, I'm so glad you brought that up. So then can you suggest for someone who might be an overthinker mm -hmm. like me where how what could it look like to make sure you don't do that i mean just love people would be my answer I, I think that's, that's like answer. my answer like i was like in my head i'm like well you just love them but i mean if you feel like you have to have a conversation with your kids about what's what's happening i think it's easy to be like everybody has hard times we've had hard times they're having a hard time right now we're taking them a casserole okay good I, I just don't think you ever make it as like, well, you should be happy mommy can be at your soccer game because Savannah's mommy can't be at her soccer game because she's in the hospital. Mm. That's not a thing. Mm. Um, and while we're preaching about things you don't do to children, I think. Preach away. I'm about to. Like, let's get the soapbox. Do you <laughs> yes. have one? Um, Step up. And I talk about this in my book, too. But, like, it is dr phil who i watch you know when i'm trying to make myself feel better yeah um <laughs> how's that i i always use that how's that working for you how's that working that's, for a, you? that's a dr phil thing um, I got one of my stuff. favorite things he says is that you don't make children deal with adult problems and there were a lot of people that for whatever reason felt like they should go up to my eight-year-old and be like how's mommy what are the doctors saying <gasps> like have they decided? So one of the things we did was we went to Duke, which if you or anyone you love is having a brain cancer diagnosis, you should go to Duke. Like, I mean, you should love Jesus and you should go to Duke. Those are the things. Like, <laughs> That's your advice. While I'm here standing on my soapbox, um, hey, you please. should definitely go to a brain tumor center. Like, your outcomes are so much better if you go to a place that specializes in brain tumors. Um, but Duke is amazing. And I am standing here today largely because of them. Um, That's great. So... After my brain surgery, we were trying to decide what we were going to do. Like, were we going to go to Duke or were we going to stay at Georgetown or were we going to go to, like, Inova for radiation? And we hadn't decided yet, but people knew we were thinking about it and would ask my children, do you know if mommy's going to go away to North Carolina? I'm eight. I don't know. And so, first of all, don't talk to children about grown-up issues. And second of all, like... Don't hound them for information. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things we had to do um, was to give our children permission to be rude, which is not a thing I ever thought I was going to do. Yeah. But we were like flat out. If like you're in your, you know, little homeschool group and they're going to pray and they're like, what should we pray about for mommy? Mm. Like, has she done? If anyone makes you feel like you're going to cry, if anyone makes you feel uncomfortable, if anyone does whatever, feel free to be like, you can go talk to my grandma. Or like, I don't want to talk to you about this or whatever you need to say to get yourself out of that situation because we didn't realize how much pressure Mm -hmm. adults were going to put on our very small children. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. my daughter turned five while I was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Little kids. Yeah. Um, And for whatever reason, adults felt like they could pry them for information about my medical status. Mm. Like, don't do that. Um, So while I'm on my soapbox. um, I love you being on your soapbox because this is, you know, kind of 
like the theme of the podcast is sometimes like you talk about the stuff that people don't talk about. And it's so easy to jump to. That's why I love I haven't gotten to read your books. I just got it today. But I'm excited because there's so much like you said of like memoirs and it's inspiration and it's but I feel like but the stuff that people really need to know is the how like, yeah, how did you you know, like, so that if I'm going through a hard time, like, please show me the way be the light. And then like, what to not do? Because how the heck would I know what not to do unless I listened and if you don't ever get to the real conversation with someone like what's your real thoughts about this then (laughs) i will tell you (laughs) good yes girl um i think that the big thing is with kids and this is something i try to do i I had a a girl over at my house the other day sharing some things and she finished talking and i was like do you want me to say anything like because sometimes people just want you to listen to them oh that's a good question and with kids like if you are a safe person for a kid i think part of that is if they come up to you and and they are clearly distressed hey do you want to talk about anything and if they say no believe them like it is not your job to fix someone else's child that is in crisis unless you're like their therapist in which case like you do whatever (laughs) it is that your degree tells you to do but if you're like their sunday school teacher or their neighbor or their like you know friend's mom or whatever It's okay for you to be like, hey, is there anything you want to talk about or do you need anything? And if they say no, like, believe them. Let them know you're there, but, like, yeah, believe them. I think that's a really big thing. I think kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And we definitely learned a lot. I mean, I don't want to say that I was the ideal cancer parent. Like, we messed a lot of things up. Yeah. Like, we should have made sure that other adults did not know things we were thinking about before we had decided and told our kids what we were going to do. Oh, I see. Um, but part of that was that we did not realize that grownups were going to talk to our children. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. You don't know. know what you don't know. So, you know. One of the things we did right um, was we have three children. And anyone that has more than one children, child knows they're all very different. Mm-hmm. And we sat them down when we were going to tell them the first time about my cancer And I say we, but that's a lie. If you're going to tell your children a very hard thing, I suggest having your husband do it so that you don't have to be involved. (laughs) I just decided I was not going to be able to have that conversation with them without completely. Were you there when he talked about it or were you not? I was upstairs. Okay. So he sat with them in the living room and talked. And then I was available upstairs for everyone to come and hug and cry. And like, um, but we gave a like general statement of information and then we let each one of them ask whatever they wanted to mm. ask. Because my older one is very, like, inquisitive and needs a lot of information. And mm-hmm. he wanted to watch, like, brain surgeries on yes. YouTube. He wanted to know where my neurosurgeon went to college. Like, what was his GPA? Lots of questions. My middle guy came and crawled up on my lab and wrapped his arms around me. and was like, I never want to talk about this again. Great. Let's do that. Like, you don't want to talk about it. We don't have to. He did not want to know what they were going to do to me. He didn't want to know if it was going to hurt. Like, he just wanted to curl up into a ball and be like, who is going to take care of me? That is what I want to have happen. Can I have a cupcake? Great. Perfect. My littlest one, bless her heart, um, came upstairs and was like, mommy, I get to have a sleepover at Uncle Kevin's house. This is the most amazing thing that has ever happened. (laughs) And I was so happy for her. Yes. Um, so what happened was they they kept me in the hospital for a week, and then we begged for me to be able to go home and spend a couple of days with the kids. And that was when we told them, like, really what was going to happen and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so at that point, we had a plan for, like, when I go in for surgery, you're going to get to go and have a sleepover mm-hmm. at Uncle Kevin's house. And, like, such a thing had never been done before. Yes. So, like, this was the best day. Yes. And um, the other thing that we learned, and you don't have to do this, but I'm just going to tell you guys because I'm soapboxing right now. My middle son is not a hugger. And he gave this woman a hug that brought dinner to our house one day because it was Kentucky Fried Chicken and it was not touching. He was so tired of getting food that was all touching. The casseroles. He yes. was my my kids actually all for like I want to say three years after my initial like run through with cancer, I could not serve baked pasta of any kind because they had serious like yes. it sounds ridiculous to say, but they had like PTSD about baked yes. CD because it yes. just reminded them of when I was sick. Yeah. So if you really want to win with like kids whose parents are sick, like roll up with some Domino's or some KFC and not a casserole because my son was legitimately so excited that his food was not all touching. Yes. He hugged this woman and I wish I could tell you what a big deal for him that was because he doesn't hug anybody. Wow. Like he barely hugs me. And this woman walks in with KFC and he's like, I just love you so much. Oh my gosh, you're speaking my language. I'm like, see, I feel like so so much of sharing our I say like sharing your shit, sharing your stuff is giving people permission to like do you. Like it's kind of needing that. And so it's like, you know what? You just pick up fast food and they will be happy. Like so happy. I mean, if there's a list and you can see that they've had fast food the last six then nights, yes, like you yes. know, bring the Z. The, but yeah. Um or bring a separate meal of separate things. That's actually a good thing that once again, I feel like not as always mentioned is that when you're bringing meals to someone, you have to look at the ages of the kids and yes. things like that. And like, because my family, we are not, my kids eat like toddlers still, okay. like meat, veggies, fruit, like nothing with mixes, spices. That's just not their jam. And so um, I, of course, love having meals because I love eating and whatnot. And so like they just end up eating fruits and vegetables. So yeah. they would be very, you know. Very glad to have a separate meal. Yes. That's so, funny. That's a little funny. Well, thank you for all your soapboxing. I loved everything. I can't wait to read your book. It's um I think sometimes we shy away from heavy stuff, but it goes back to that building resiliency no matter where you're at in your life. If you're going through a hard time, you need to know that you're not alone. And if you're not, it's like building those blocks for handling it. And yeah. um I appreciate you being willing to share and I just love your message of finding the joy in the midst of it all. So and I think that's just so universal. And I hope it helps. I think it will. Well, thank you, Christina. And if people want to find you, where they, can they find you? Um, they can find me at pwcmoms.com, of course, mm-hmm. and at christinacotlas.com as well. Awesome. And we didn't talk about this because I just assumed, but I forget, if you are in Prince William County, the blog, it's a lot of the activities in the in the area, right, for moms to do with kids. Yep. So, all right, great. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Music provided by twinmusicom.org. Song titled Night at the Dance Hall. Sound editing by me, Jeremy Spittle. A special thanks to our studio sponsor, M&M Exteriors. Visit their website at mmexteriors.com for all of your roofing, siding, and gutter needs in the Northern Virginia area. Visit our website at flushingitout.com and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard. Don't forget to check out the after show on the Full Flush bonus episode where Samantha and I continue the conversation with our guest.
You can find the Full Flush episode right here on Flushing It Out every Friday.